0: You're listening to the Jazz India Circuit Podcast. I'm your host, Laksh This episode is part five of our six-part musical journey about all that jazz. So far on this show, we've talked about two things, where jazz comes from and where it is now. So in this episode, I wanted to explore where jazz is going. And to show us how jazz is evolving, my guest in this episode is composer and guitarist Shubh Saran. That opening number you heard in the beginning of the episode? He made that. It's a song called Slip from his first album, Hamira. Shub is a New York-based musician of Indian origin, but having grown up in six different countries, his music and his influences are global and free of genre. Plus, being an alumnus of the prestigious Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Shub's intricate compositions fuse sounds from modern jazz, neo-soul, and rock with classical and contemporary Indian music. So I got on a Skype call with Shub to talk about Jazz Fusion, and how he collaborates with musicians from all over the world, including India. An artist's education, whether it be self-taught, or through teachers or even institutions, informs their creativity arsenal. So I asked Shubh about his early influences.
1: The earliest sort of blues was definitely um, like Jimi Hendrix and John Mayer and Stevie Ray Vaughan, that kind of stuff. Um, Just being a guitar player, you're introduced to that pretty quickly. Um, And then when I went to music school, I um, ended up listening to, I I hadn't really listened to jazz or even kind of knew what jazz was. And then I listened to um, Aaron Parks, a song called Nemesis. Uh, which actually was the thing that kind of set off this whole trajectory into modern jazz for me. And it was sort of a gateway into like other other kinds of jazz and older traditions. But listening to this, Aaron Parks was sort of in that record, Invisible Cinema, mixed um, sort of indie rock with modern jazz. It was immediately like, okay, whoa, well, what are these like, what is this harmony and what are these melodies and what is this time signature? And all that stuff was like, whoa, like that's insane. Because for so long I would listened to music that was, you know, like, In the same key in diatonic and 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 the chord progressions were were familiar like all very familiar but it was interesting to hear music i think what hearing chord progressions that were in and out of the key and borrowing from different sort of tonalities and stuff that was super new to me and to hear it in the context with like a rock beat or like you know like a hip-hop groove Um, where it just kind of puts it into this like context that you're already quite familiar with. And so I think it was like a definitely a mixture of all that stuff, for sure. There wasn't just one style that was studying. It was, was just picking things that, you know, seemed interesting.
0: In a genre like jazz, where you're playing with a band or collaborating with other musicians, it can sometimes feel like a team sport, where every player has to be at their best and elevate the whole team. Having collaborated with artists from all over the world... I asked Shub to share his experiences working with new and frequent collaborators and tell us things that we may not notice as the
1: audience. It is true that it's tough to play in situations where not everyone is on the same page. And if you have musicians who are, let's say, like checked out or or not, you know, don't have their whole heart into it, it's hard to play, but I think a lot of collaborative work in the music industry revolves around trying to bring out the best in people. And not everyone is going to be at the same level at any given situation. There's always going to be musicians who are like more experienced or better at a certain aspect of the music that you're playing. But I think in, especially in playing music, there's, you can definitely find things that one person is very good at and really like, you know, squeeze that out of them. Because there's no like, there's no winning, so there's no right way to do something. It's sort of it always is kind of a happy accident, and sometimes the things that you think would go the worst actually go the best. And so I think there's there's a huge sort of the the outcomes are kind of like not not very binary. It's sort of you can have a gig where someone is doing something really strange, but that strange thing actually ends up working in their favor because they do it with so much confidence that it actually like becomes their thing. But generally, like jumping on gigs where you don't know people and you don't. Um, know they're playing and stuff having this common like universal language of of like just knowing uh not music theory but just knowing the the language of the, the basic languages of music where you can identify chords and scales and sounds and things like that and you can react with people interact that is important but i think it's funny when because a lot of times as like a session musician or working musicians you end up just uh playing with people who you've never met before and then you like shake hands after the gig and you're like hey i'm you know whatever after you played for like three hours um but you're able to play very convincingly and actually create some like really intimate moments that you would never actually have with any other person just from a, like a normal interaction and i think that's because like there's something like bigger at play and you're, when you're creating something with someone else, it's like a special, intimate kind of relationship. Um, and I think that transcends knowing the person or not very well, just personality-wise. You know? One of the gigs that distinctly stands out for us with my band was in Mumbai when we went from Delhi. We were we had reached India and we did, I think, we might have done a gig in Delhi. And then we had a really packed schedule. So we were going to Bombay and everyone was kind of tired. And I think we had just got to Bombay and everyone was kind of just like, you know, and the, the air was nice and we were like next to the sea. And so everyone's mood automatically kind of just like became more relaxed after this stressful sort of thing. And then we played a gig at the quarter. Um, and the thing about, I don't actually know too many people in Bombay um, or as many people as I know in Delhi. So Delhi was a lot more familiar. The Bombay gig was very unfamiliar, but that I think lent itself to some really like nice moments. And I still remember that gig in particular, There's one song where like Christian the piano player in his solo just sort of started doing something that was very different from what we had rehearsed and played before. And I think being in a city that like is new for everyone and you know, I'm not super familiar with Gombe. And I didn't really know too many people in the audience at all. I may have known like a handful of the people. It was a mixture of that and like not really knowing anything and then trying this new thing. It was a sense of like, well, we don't really know anyone, so we can just kind of try whatever. And that actually lent itself to some like really beautiful moments. And I it could have gone, you know. Badly, but it went really, really well. And we still talk about that gig that was like over a year ago. The other really beautiful things that ended up happening we did this video collaboration series with musicians in Delhi. We did this recording session featuring five artists from Delhi. So it was Shadow and Light. Bakshi, Sapak Chatterjee, Dhruv Svanath, and China and Smithi. The idea was to take their songs and arrange it for my band, plus um, two other musicians from Delhi, so Rhythm Bansal on keys and Adhir Ghosh on, on guitar. But that day was, like, super intense because we got there from Bangalore. We flew, like, we took a 7 seven a.m. flight, got to Delhi at 11, went straight to the, the auditorium. And, like, you know, in in you know, like it was, it was just crazy because there's so many people there. Like there was just like Mohit the couple who did the directing. He brought like a lights person, the lights person brought like their whole crew and he brought his whole crew. And it was just like, after a few hours, the room was just like full of people. And I was like, Oh my God, like I didn't realize that the video session would, like I didn't foresee that there'd be like, I don't know, like 30 or 40 people there just like working on this one video thing. So it was super stressful, but extremely exhilarating. Like it was Probably one of the best experiences of my life. And we were like running behind and all that stuff that happens in a recording session, but it was really fun. And we like were just collaborating with these musicians. And at the moment, it just felt like we were doing something so super cool. And the videos came out great.
0: Song you just heard is called "Paradolia" from the album hadd composed and performed by shib and his band earlier this year at the rockwood music hall Shiv travels to india frequently to perform so i asked him what it's like to work with musicians in india and how different the audiences are here compared to everywhere else
1: the musicians i meet in india i I've I've created like a community of people that I know, which is, and they're all like incredible, and they've become like very close friends, which is really nice. Like I'm to India about once a year. When I'm there, there's always like a few people who are like you know the most busy people in the scene. And then I come back the next year, and there was like somebody new who's like uh, also busy. Like it, the the number of musicians who just become like the musicians in the scene is the turnaround is so quick, it's incredible. So every time I go back, I try to meet like people who are like really active on the scene so i ask people like oh who do you recommend for keys or bass or whatever and then i end up meeting people that way in terms of collaborating it's it's actually fairly similar like i think the language that people speak in terms of this like modern jazzy kind of thing or in a improvised western music context is uh, is fairly similar so all the language kind of in terms of like how you know what you call chords and how you like what kind of music you play and the harmony and stuff is quite similar in terms of audiences, it's quite different, and the kind of music that I want to showcase is different. I my like passion is the Indian music scene. That's like something that I like feel really strongly about and something that I really want to see grow and you know find this like really unique identity. And I think it's happening where and my dream is to sort of for in Indian music and Indian jazz to just have its own like separate identity from other jazz. And I, that is happening because there's people who are like spearheading that and it's really exciting to see. And it's not necessarily music that's influenced by any classical music. It's just music that's been made by people in Delhi, being influenced by the city and everything the city has to offer, and, and India and everything the country has to offer. But in terms of audiences, I think the every time I go, I try to not create, or I think I think initially I would just go and be like, I'm a jazz musician playing jazz. Now, every time I go, I really try to not make it seem like that. And instead I just want to just play like music in India for Indians by Indians and really try to remove the label of Western and jazz and stuff. And I think because of that, because I think those labels are there it immediately just, alienates most of the people and rightly so like no one's gonna you know i mean like i know how not relatable the american songbook is in india like why would it be of course it's just as unrelatable as the indian songbook is in america so i mean i understand how you know like you're not going to go and play like all of me and and you know have people like scream you know excitedly so my like i when i go i my dream is to really just go and, and play like music that is just music and it's if it's instrumental it doesn't mean it's western jazz if it's instrumental it's just instrumental and it can appeal to anyone because it doesn't have lyrics and it doesn't have a language associated with it so you know but i think audiences still there's like definitely some hesitation because there's a lot of just genre demarcation and i think that genre like chopping up the music into just a little bit of genres especially in terms of like language or like this is indian this is western this is sufi rock this is like jazz it gets a little messy i think and I, i like i don't know too much about the scene because i'm so removed from it i wish i was closer to it um but just from what i can see from like a from a distance um and i just hearing people's frustrations about sort of playing in the scene that like you know you can't have music that is influenced by one thing like it has it's definitely always a fusion of something and especially if you live in 2019 and you listen to any thing online it's you're you're taking in a lot of different influences, a lot of different styles at any given point. So even if you play Indian classical music in Hindi and you're playing, you know, it doesn't have to be that one thing and everyone's obsessed, you know, everyone, the audience that is there is unique to that. There should be a crossover. And I think there is, and I think the people are naturally gravitating to sort of listen to many different things. But I think they're just, in the industry, there is a very clear cut demarcation. Like, this is Bollywood, this is not Bollywood. And I don't really don't know where the, that begins and ends. And my hope is, the dream is to just, for that not to exist, and then Bollywood music, you know, like people say, like, would you ever do a Bollywood movie or a gig? And I'm like, of course, absolutely I would, if I can just create the music that I would just create. Like, I, I don't think I'd be able to do justice to making, like, a, a Bollywood pop song, because I wouldn't be able to do it as well as I would be able to do whatever I do. And if some director is willing to hire me to do what I do, then absolutely I'll do the Bollywood movie. Like, why wouldn't I? You know, it's a way to just experience a totally different side of the music industry.
0: Time has its token change How did I go on just for There's no left to wonder I How did I go on just for What you just heard was a song called Bloom by Shub and vocalist Hannah Sumner I asked Shub about the writing process behind the song and what the song means to both of them
1: I met her again just in the New York scene she was in one of the recording sessions that I did. She was singing a song. Actually, it was Clarity, but Adam Adam Neely did a cover of Clarity for his channel. And she was singing and I was playing guitar and that's how I met her. And then she ended up calling me and just saying, hey, do you wanna like write together? And I was like, yeah, for sure. So I went to her, a studio that she's working out of at the time and we wrote uh, Falter, which is a song that was on my EP that I did last year. And we just wrote that in like two hours. And I was like, this is incredible. We gotta like write way more. And then we ended up kind of just doing small things here and there like definitely did we did gigs together just in the city you know I wanted to just write more with a singer and so I asked Hannah I was like do you just want to write a song together I kind of have this like little idea which is the main like guitar riff she has this like ability to just hear something and lay down like melody and lyrics like done essentially it's quite crazy I don't know how both those things come out together she never like picks up a phone and, like let me write lyrics it's just happens i don't know i don't know where it comes from it's crazy so she just like essentially finished the song when i was playing it and if you're ever stuck on a song having someone else come and like collaborate with you is the immediate recipe to finish the song so that's basically what happened for this whole time i had been writing for for my band and with my band so it was interesting to actually write just in my room with just the synths and production stuff that i have so i played drums on it i played all the synth and i programmed all the synthesis stuff stuff so that was really fun. It was a fun exercise to just do everything on my own. And then have Hannah also do like production and, and vocal production and stuff. We ended up kind of just creating the song that was about, it was a kind of a, during the early spring, summerish time. And it was, you know, sounded kind of like happy. And usually when me and Hannah write music, it's dark and ethereal and, you know, like spacey. So this was kind of the opposite. It was very folky and like almost fun sounding. She wrote it as this sort of, blossoming into someone that I think you are truly sort of meant to become and being in a relationship that is happy and being loved by someone. For me, it actually, I think, had like slightly darker undertones. But uh, it's I think that's just the beauty of sort of interpreting music differently. So I think for her, it was it was about like, you know, you keep the song that the end of the refrain is you keep pulling me over the edge. And I think for her, it was like a very like, you know, I'm I'm being loved by this person. Um, for me, it almost felt like you keep pulling me over there just like this dangerous thing where you get too involved with someone or too obsessed with someone and they may not be very good for you. Um, which is why the end of the song is actually a lot darker in terms of like the production and the chords change. It goes to like a minor tonality and stuff. But I I don't think she knows that. I haven't really talked to her about that. But I think there's yeah, it's, it's, it's two different interpretations that we have. Um, hers is a lot happier. Mine is kind of more creepy and dark. That
0: was musician Shubsaran telling his tales from the stage and the studio. Shub has a new single out called Becoming, which you can listen to on Spotify. I'll include a link to that in the show notes of this episode. That's it for this episode of the Jazz India Circuit podcast. Today's November 29th, so if you're in Goa, I hope you're attending the Jazz India Circuit Festival this weekend. And if you're in Gurugram next week, make sure to get tickets for the concert on December 6th. Closing out this episode is a song that is actually a collaboration between two of my guests on this podcast Shubh Saran from this episode and vocalist Smithy Malik from episode 2. This is Mindfire by Shubh Saran featuring Chayan and Smithy. There's a fire in your mind And thoughts that act as kindling One spark can it all ignites No hopes of extinguishing There's a fire.